The Drop-In CEO podcast was created based on providing you insights and inspiration from industry leaders. And a little side note for myself, because along the way, I had great managers and leaders. And yes, vision was cascaded down from some of the best organizations in the industry. But then I get this message from Dr. Oleg Konovalov, who said, Deb, I've listened to a couple of your interviews, and I would love to be interviewed on your show. I just wrote the vision code. And I am so thrilled to bring this conversation to you. Having vision and cascading it to the organization is one thing, but what are the characteristics of a visionary leader? It's so important to the vision code. Let's listen to our conversation. Future assumes a different mentality, right? We've already been into the past. Okay, nothing interesting over there. It's gone. But if I still have some kind of question or questions that mean we don't have those answers from the past, we could reveal the answers only by shifting our mentality with that mind shift, and we will get those answers from the future, which we need to create. And that is a very interesting point, to get those answers, how to improve people's life, how to solve this problem. I need a mind shift. Absolutely. So, and good leaders will help develop their leaders that are coming up if we evaluate them versus what they're doing now versus the future and how can they be an integral part of helping to develop that muscle. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, and I want to thank everybody again for returning to another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. I have the honor of speaking to amazing leaders so that we can share their insights with you. If you enjoy this program, please share and subscribe so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I would also like to make you this offer, the CEO's Compass, my approach to helping leaders get back on track. For more information about my consulting services, please reach out to me at dropinceo.com and let's start a conversation. And now I'm honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Dr. Oleg Konovalov. Dr. Oleg Konovalov is a thought leader, author, business educator, consultant, and C-suite coach. Oleg is on the Thinker's 50 radar and has been recognized as number one global thought leader on culture by Thinker's 360 and is also number one global leader coach, Marshall Goldsmith Thinkers 50, and has been named as one of the top most inspiring global thought leaders in 2020. And having been named as the Da Vinci of visionary leadership by many leading authorities of our time, Oleg is helping companies to create and execute their vision, diagnose and treat organizational diseases, maintain a strong productive corporate culture, and achieve superior business performance. 
And of course, one of the reasons why I brought him on the show today is he is also the author of The Vision Code that is coming out in 2021, as well as many other thought leadership books. And he has received his doctor degree from the Durham University Business School and is a visiting lecturer at a number of business schools. His resume continues to go on and on. But I simply want to thank you, Oleg, for being on our show. Yep, thank you very much. Because for me, being on your show is a privilege. And I'm eagerly sharing your content all the time because I love it. Thank you. I sincerely appreciate that. You know, when we come together with people on my podcast, you know, the most important thing is that we have to click. We have to have a base understanding, have similar philosophies on human leadership. But at the same time, I'm intrigued by different kinds of thought. And I often think of myself also and aspire to be a thought leader. And let's just go. The One of the reasons why it was so important to have you on the show is you talk about vision. And we train leaders to be leaders. We give them all the tools and techniques, but we fail terribly in giving them the skills and tools they need to build vision to properly lead their organizations. And that's why I want my listeners to really tune into what you say. So please, could you share a little bit about yourself personally, your career, and the work that you're doing now? Thank you very much. Actually, you see, I came from a very practical background from the fishing industry. Then I moved into consulting, into thought leadership, then became a coach as I was asked to coach people. But the only thing stands behind all of things that I do in my life is to explore something which wasn't explored before. Vision. We talk about vision as some kind of a known, let's say, Probably the burger or a cup of coffee would have more impact on people during, you know, a meeting. You will say, oh, would you like to have a burger? Yes. Would you like to talk about vision? No, not today. We have it. You know, they ignore it. But in fact, if we talk about leadership, it's about where I lead people. I promising them something bright, something great in that future where I'm leading them. I could have tools where I could use to control them today. But what's the point of my leadership? It's micromanagement. I'm not leading them. I'm controlling them. I have a simple idea. We are here to reveal the greatness of each other. How I could reveal it if I'm not leading them to their better version, to their growth, to their brighter life or business? It's about this. But I need to have a vision for this. And vision is not a statement. Vision is a multidimensional space in the future. It's an aspiration for the future as we strive to make reality today. It's so integral to leadership to have vision, but I think that as we come up in our careers, yes, there are a few individuals that have vision, but for the person that comes into an organization or a CEO that drops into an organization, sometimes vision is just given to us by somebody higher up, and I think we do a disservice to people. And I would love your thoughts on, I guess, organizations that get together in a room They create a vision, they put it up on their social media, they put it on the walls, they have training, they cascade it down to their people and expect that people will lead in accordance with the vision and will fulfill it. But that doesn't work. Why doesn't that work? Very interesting question and very critical. There are two things. What is the benefit for people in that vision? What's the value they will gain? What is it? Because is it just a promise of a nice bottom line? No one is attracted by a quarterly, nice quarterly report or annual. Yeah, you could promise people 
some kind of a bonus, but every company promises bonus at the end of the year. So it's like extra biscuits. Okay, but what's in it for me? It's nothing about it. Another thing is, and that is to strengthen that point, vision is about making others the co-owners of that vision. You know, I can't do it on my own. I could flag it around. Hey, guys, we have a great vision. But if people are not standing by my side, being a part of it, I could keep shouting. You know, you bring up a really good point about connecting the vision that may have been created at a higher level within the organization. But to your point, you talked about what's in it for me and being co-owners of the vision. Again, I think organizations, and they definitely need you and the work that you do, miss an opportunity when they create the vision. And certainly we, we need our leaders to create the vision in order to pull it forward. But the missing link sometimes is how we cascade that message. It sometimes comes in the form of here it is, And here are some pillars that support that vision, but we don't draw the connection with the people that in your line of work, what you do in this part of the organization, here is the connection to the vision and how you can contribute. And what's even more concerning is that the leaders that are cascading to the vision, to the rank and file, also don't know how to make the connection. So I often think that sometimes organizations create vision, but they lack the tools, the connection to the human at all levels of the organization to say, this is what the vision is, and here's how all of you can co-own it to bring it to fruition. And actually, knowing what you do in terms of your practice, I believe it strongly resonates with your approach, because it's not about a small group of people creating something crafty and trying to sell it to others. It's about getting people involved. It's about showing passion. It's about being grounded to people's needs. And it's a very basis of this, I'm saying. Vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem you want to solve for the benefits of others reaches its peak. Then vision comes. So it's not about, we need a vision, so we'll craft it, we'll write it down, and everyone think. 30 people on a board of directors sitting together, and are they all buying it? No. There are only few. The rest are just nodding their heads. And that's it. Tick a box. Exactly. You know, they tick a box and they go to their subordinates and say, yeah, we've got a vision. You can't see that passion. You can't feel that passion. They say, okay, we have another statement. Thank you. How many statements do we have? Oh, it's a pile. Who would follow that? So before we delve into the book, because I think the most important part of this interview is for you to share your vision of the vision code and a tremendous resource for leaders at all parts of the organization. But I see two parts to your book after I read it was that you provide the code, those things that are integral to creating vision for individuals and organizations. And at the end of the book, you talk about the 15 characteristics of a visionary leader. And I'm curious, which is more important or where should you start? Because an organization can create vision using vision code, but they may not have the qualities or characteristics in the leadership. Or do you start with having the right leaders and then create the vision? You can't broke into this chest without using both codes. You need a physical key, which is that model, which I named it caviar, and you need to have a certain mentality of your psychological part, because leadership or vision leadership is not about physical work. It's about how I could handle that huge future. 
And this is quite important. You must apply both simultaneously. But as you grow and you grow your vision, you must become stronger because a scale or a growth of your vision is strongly depends on how you could grow as a leader. If you can't grow, how your vision would grow? It would be a bubble, right? So in this sense, you need both. But based on that 15 traits, I have a form which I use, for instance, for my clients, and it has two columns. I have and I can't. There is no third column, I can't. Because, for instance, if we talk about visionaries are great at simplicity, can you develop it? Yes. Even if you don't have it, you can. Great. They don't talk problems. They talk solutions. Great. Work on it. So you have a practical tool which you could share with your people, and you could develop, create that psychological, mental instruments which could help you to key in at any point, at any stage of your vision creation. Therefore, you need both. And when exploring the vision code, for me, it was important not just to bring it as a practical business tool, which was my greatest aim. Then I realized, hey, as I'm in one room with those great visionaries, why not to open a window in a way how they think beyond those internet articles? Oh, they're good at timing or they're good at this. No, no, we all know this. It was important to understand how they think, how they act, what's inside them. No one is perfect, and it's nothing about this. It's about how they made themselves so strong, so good, and how others could learn from them and be the same. I love what you say there because sometimes people have a mindset of like, oh, I can't become a visionary leader. They have that what I can't do. But you take it from a standpoint of let's examine your current state mindset. It's about the mindset. It's about potential. And so you only consider where are you now and what can you do in the future and almost discount anything that you're not. Because if you aspire, if you open your mind and you have that self-awareness and give yourself the time and space, you can start seeing the future if you only stop and stop busying yourself with activity. People need you. They need you to see the future so you can pull them along. Thank you for clarifying that for me because I think both are so important. I love you, you, because you spot on. Think, future assumes a different mentality, right? We've already been into the past. Okay, nothing interesting over there. It's gone. But if I still have some kind of question or questions that mean we don't have those answers from the past, we could reveal the answers only by shifting our mentality with that mind shift, and we will get those answers from the future, which we need to create. And that is a very interesting point, to get those answers, how to improve people's life, how to solve this problem. I need a mind shift. Absolutely. So, And good leaders will help develop their leaders that are coming up if we evaluate them versus what they're doing now versus the future and how can they be an integral part of helping to develop that muscle. But I don't want to keep our listeners waiting anymore. The Vision Code, your book. Congratulations on the sixth book that you've written. I would love for you to take our listeners through the essence of the book, the key points that they should know about. Oh, thank you. First of all, tell you something. I was completely not prepared to face any impact that I have faced of this work on myself. 
you know, people assume writing a book, you put the words on the paper, cool, submit it to publisher, done, gone. Get your coffee, relax. This work impacted me, even as also as a researcher, as a practice, more than everything else I have done in my life. And the reason is, I actually explored a new dimension of our life, which we create for the future. And that is very different view. It's breaking out of those pattern thinking. It's becoming free. That is very different story. Therefore, it becomes natural. What vision is? How it comes? How to grow as a visionary leader? How to, you know, vision is not illusion. It's not a dream. It's not a statement. It's a very solid, very strong psychological thinking construct. Therefore, it must be very viable, very practical. So how to test these things, you know, to make it robust and really attractive for people? How to influence or so make people the owners of that vision? How to execute vision? Because otherwise it will disappear as a morning fog. You know, how to revitalize it? How to use that as a practical tool that cover which I mentioned, because that is a straightforward process. And if you learn this process, you could log in actually into any phase of it, at any stage of its development, and check what is good, what's not good, what should be edited, what should be directed, strengthened. You know? And of course, it's about mentality, because it's a mind shift. And I'm explaining, yes, I'm sharing great lessons, great insights from Exceptional 19, visionaries from across the globe, you know, USA, Canada, Nigeria, Arab Emirates, UK, Russia, you know, different countries, Switzerland, and Martin Lindstrom, Marshall Goldsmith, John Spann, David Katz, you just name it. That people that created something incredible from nothing. So they were not born with a silver spoon in a mouse. They have made it. And this is the best example that you can do it. You know, even what I'm thinking, vision. When we talk about vision, we talk about inspiration. But inspiration is a sign that you could do it. And you can do it. And you can do it. You know, you bring up a really good point. I talk about inspiration versus influence. And while I know influence is also part of your model, and I'd love to get into the caviar of your model. (laughs) I'm going to go off script now. Influence and inspiration. I want to understand your thoughts on it. I think influence is what a thought leader is. They can provide new insights, new ways of thinking, and cascade and disseminate information. And people may just follow that advice. On the other hand, inspiration is I can impart new thoughts, but then the individual has to, from within, decide what am I going to do with that information and do something with it versus just receiving it and consuming it. That truly is inspiration when you can get people to think for themselves. What say you on that? <laughs> I absolutely on the same page because my job to inspire, showing people a greater goal because if the goal is too small, no one would be bothered to, you know, to grow for it. Do we, you know, as a leaders, do we grow because of a size? Okay. You know, go on, get more chocolate and you will get fatter. You know, you will grow bigger. We grow to handle greater projects, greater assignments, to make a greater 
positive impact on others and leave a legacy in a greater sense. And therefore, I must inspire others. And here I need an influence for them, as you said, to cascade it further. But they can't cascade purely on enthusiasm. They need to have something in their hands because enthusiasm is good until the moment it comes to responsibility and to ability to execute it. And here I need to give them the tools. So when we talk about tools from the Vision Code, and again, I love your acronym, Caviar. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but it's, it's quite interesting. I'm curious, as you have brought this thought leadership together in the Vision Code, as you look at your work with organizations, is there particularly any one of the elements that you discuss in your book that may be missing or most challenging for an organization to realize and create vision? If we talk about execution, a toughest sight, alignment with a vision, because we're all short-sighted. We're all very good at looking at the bottom line and saying, yeah, 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 we need to solve things now. And so we're quickly losing that critical. But we are paid as leaders to keep the crew going on this journey. And as a result, doing this in a good sense, we will get the good financial results. It's about maintaining strong focus and will. Because if a leader is not focused on that greater goal, is people wouldn't be focused on it either. It would be lost. It's about growing as a leader. But when you grow as a leader, you must grow what I call a knowledge bank. You must get everyone involved in it, contributing. Not just this person, that person. No, I need everyone's knowledge to be contributed to it. And here I need a strong team, which is far too often is a missing element. I'm not talking from a fact about creation, okay. I'm talking even those things. If we talk about viability, how much of passion we could see in those corporate visions declared in the sick papers? Not much. Next to nothing. So, no excitement, no passion. I love a story which Martin uh, Lindstrom shared with me. When the son of the founder of Lego was thinking about a vision for the company Lego, therefore Lego is still in all our houses across the globe, he was calling his people at 2 o'clock after midnight on the phone and asking what's the company vision. He strongly believed that if people could say it clearly while they asleep, they will definitely do it well when they're in the office. Who could do this? I don't know. None of the companies are strong at communicating something clearly, checking, getting being involved in it. It's very different. So there are quite a few critical things, but acting or execution is the most critical because we are very good at losing an alignment with vision. You know, I agree with that. There's often a lot of excitement at the beginning of an effort to create vision, get a lot of smart people in the room, and then obviously cascading that down. The true challenge, like you said, is the execution. So often our leaders will get then focused in the day-to-day to achieve short-term goals. And they do our people sometimes a disservice. And you can tell I'm talking from a personal experience. They'll do a disservice because they have to show this focus on short-term goals. So while they may cascade a vision, they might say, but today, this month, this year, I need you to focus on X. 
and they don't continue to talk about the vision. And I talk about this also in my book that I'm writing, The CEO's Compass, where if you only allow people to focus on a specific result, that is only what you get. You only get a transaction. And when you think about purpose or the vision of what you're striving for, you open people's minds up to not only the task at hand, but the possibility of what could be. And then we truly bring people's minds and their thinking into creating and sustaining and achieving that vision. I love your point because it's brilliant. And you see, what you focus, you will get. You're focusing on this problem, you'll get more problems. You focus on solutions, you'll get solutions. But what is also interesting, you know, and referring to our conversation before about your brilliant work on the CO compass and things like that, I love it. You know what's important? Think of a great board. They're all good. They're all very, very smart. But the difficulty working with smart people, they're mainly fighting on grounds. When we talk about vision, it's again, it's about mentality or mind shift. It's about being wise. And when you're wise, you are much better at cooperating with each other. And there are people coming together and they're focusing on something more important than their personal ambitions to prove, oh, I'm the smartest in this room. That is very interesting link. It's a little bit about validating one's self-worth and maintaining position because we're so proud of the work that we've done to achieve a certain level of expertise. So I see that we have to acknowledge when we get great thinkers in a room together, a lot of big egos, a lot of experts, but everybody should maybe check the ego at the door, celebrate everybody's unique expertise, but then just be open to the possibility. You might not like what you hear in the moment, but then pause and reflect. And there may be a nugget or some wisdom that you can learn and also grow yourself. So I love this conversation. (laughs) You know, like walking into a big administration building, you're supposed to surrender your mobile phone, you know, and not use it at all. The same with ego. You walk into a boardroom, leave it. Put it in the chest, you know. So let's just talk a little bit about the practitioner. Maybe there's a person who wants to be a visionary leader. They believe they have vision. They are the person that sticks out because they're always raising their hands and asking questions. And sometimes society pushes them down. I want to encourage people that maybe are visionary leaders, but just are not in the right environment to do that. So I think there's a great topic from your book that I want to bring in now, and it's your chapter about growth, going from uncertainty to uncertainty. And I really think that could be something really interesting to the person that's not sure if they're a visionary leader, but if they're comfortable with growth and uncertainty, they may be the one that has that is worthy of doing it and becoming that visionary leader. So what are your thoughts? Why did you write this chapter? I was thinking, what defines our growth? At what moment, when I'm really residing, dwelling in that comfort zone, I'm not thinking about vision. I'm too comfortable. I'm already hostage of that comfort. But I'm really not satisfied with what's going on around me, how I could do things better, what I could improve. Then my mind is looking for an answer, which definitely in an area of uncertainty. And my vision becomes the only certain element of it to go through it. And here comes an interesting moment, why we are more eager to go through it quickly. But as soon as we achieve something, we're relaxed. We don't see 
anything. Okay, I became, I don't know, CEO, or I became a senior vice president. And that's it. I'm happy. I'm well paid. I'm not looking for a solution. So to certain, the gross is though. How many companies passed away, you know, we wouldn't be able to find the records in the book of condolence because they're gone completely, you know, because they be, were too comfortable. Oh, we reached a level of success. We celebrated 10th anniversary. We hit a certain financial records level, and that's it. We're happy and then gone. I am growing only in a level of uncertainty, whether you do training, where you do learning, because it's about learning. It's about being humble. It's about being prepared for change. When you're comfortable, you're not prepared for change. I know. <laughs> My myself as a growing business owner, I am constantly uncomfortable. I mean, the only thing that's a constant for me, and this is another question I have about vision, is that how clear, how clear does vision have to be? Or can it be just a guiding light that continues to bring you forward? Maybe you want to answer that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the most important question because out of our conversation, people assume that this is something murky. No, 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 no. Vision is so strong, is so clear. Even with my clients, I have some kind of a test when they're saying, oh, seems to me I became. I say, okay, sit down in the middle of a room. Imagine what is going on around you. I will step away. I'll come back in a few minutes. Think what you could see, what you could envision. Would you like to walk people through? What kind of functions it has? How you could describe it? It's a total new world. It's a total new little planet that you're creating. So it is quite easy to describe it and put all that definition as those functions, as those properties. It's a clear world. And that is fascinating. It's not just a light. It's not just an idea. But what is more important, your vision grows. If it stops growing because you reach that comfort zone that we discussed now, it will die. It must grow all the time. You must feed it with your energy. You must feed it with your real acting, real execution. And the higher you claim, the further you see, you could see more opportunities to make it stronger. And based on that, it's growing. It's phenomenal. Well, I have a vision, but I'm going to save that for an offline conversation between you and I. But I guess then the thing is, is that what actionable tip can you give to somebody, either an individual or maybe a leader of a small team that has a vision, they see the vision, they can feel the vision, they want to lead people towards that vision, but they may not be in an environment that appreciates it or supports it. And so you feel so lonely, you're going at it alone in hopes that somebody will catch on. What advice would you give to the visionary leader that may not be in a visionary environment to support that? Don't give up on your vision. Don't allow anyone to silence your vision. If you have a vision, that means it is a definite need for it. You know, if you clearly articulated for yourself, you consciously understood this is a need, not just I have a calling, but real need, that means people need your vision. And in one organization or another, or on your own, you will make it a reality. And if somebody doesn't appreciate it, it's a problem. Leave them alone. Because it's like, I'm not a big fan of ballet dancing. right? What's the point to show it to me? I wouldn't appreciate a mastery of these people. I would appreciate their sweat, 
you know, just respect this. But I wouldn't be somebody who would be really overexcited about it. At the same time, I would appreciate the beauty of thoughts. I would appreciate the beauty of paintings, something or architecture. So I would appreciate it. Find those who will appreciate. That is tremendous advice because, again, off air, I'm going to talk to you about my vision. I believe in it. I see the vision for the work that I'm going to be doing with others and for others. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to get there, but along the way, I'm finding people that believe in me and that vision, and we'll figure it out along the way. So, ah, then you have the core element. You already have a decision made to have a vision. Vision is not a choice. Oh, let's write down it because it's some kind of a choice. We've been asked by investors or by a committee or by whatever. Sorry, it doesn't matter. You made a decision. I want to have a vision. That means you committed yourself and you really accept the responsibility for it. And that is quite important because that is a point A on that journey. Okay. I look forward to having you as a friend on that journey. And the book was amazing. Thank you so much for writing this piece of work. And you bring in so much thought leaders from your network also into the book. So it's multiple value, not only yours, but the thoughts and vision of others. So before we bring this to a close, we didn't even get into the details of the book, but I trust and I want to share with everybody listening, Dr. Oleg Konolova. His book is fantastic. You've got to read it. Even if you scan through the vision code, there are huge, huge chapters in it that really talk about you and your leadership style, and you too can have vision and lead others. So what are some closing thoughts that you want to share with our listeners and how best can they connect with you and your work? Our leadership will be judged or evaluated based on our promises to people. And this is the metrics of our vision of our leadership. If you promise people the bottom line, they will get it. They wouldn't be happy, but they will say, okay, he promised us this. But if you're promising people something greater, just go for it, because you will get from it something for yourself. Very important. How to connect? On LinkedIn, at your service. <laughs> they could visit my website. It has a contact form, olekonovalov.com, and it has my email address. I'm happy to respond, happy to help. Or they could join the course or read the book at least. You know, it's a good manual. It's a good manual instruction with all recipes in it. And I can attest to that just as we bring this to a close is that I have been looking at your work as well, following you on social media. And I thought, oh my, you are interested in being on my program. And for that, I'm grateful. And that I sincerely appreciate you being reachable, available to answer my questions and help prepare for this interview. Because I think when people listen to this, they're going to come away being inspired and want to learn and read more about the Vision Code. So thank you for being a fantastic guest. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. For more information about our consulting or coaching services, please visit my website at dropinceo.com or visit our Drop-In CEO Facebook group to continue the conversation. Now go out, lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.